Hello, and thank you so much for listening to this week's sermon. I'm Martha, and I'm part of New Legacy Linden. Just want to start with a few announcements. Um, Just a reminder that Wednesday night at 7.30, the youth of our church have the opportunity to hang out with Tanner and each other via a Zoom call. So go check it out. It's uh, tonight at 7.30. We invite you to join us Thursday night on Zoom at 7.30, where we talk about our takeaways from this week's sermon and have a chance to pray with each other. So come hang out with us. I will be leading the discussion this week as Ann and Riley are celebrating their anniversary. So happy anniversary, you two. The Zoom link can be found in Monday's newsletter, so check that out. And We'll be adding something to our takeaways. We're going to be talking about um, what God's been doing in our lives So come prepared to speak about that with everybody. If New Legacy Linden is a place you call home as a church, we invite you to give through newlegacylinden.com. We have been able to give generously these last few months during Corona, thanks to your generous contributions. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to start us with some prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we can um, hear your words I thank you that you are always with us and you are always ready uh, to teach us. You're always doing something in our lives. And I just thank you that you've knit us all together and we can share this experience with each other. I just ask you to give me your words for your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts to what you want to teach them. Please be with us, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so today we are studying Matthew 16, 13 through 20, and it's titled Peter's Confession of Christ. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Matthew 16, 13 through 20. So to really understand this passage, we need a little more information about the context to understand it. So if we go back to um, the previous teaching, I'll recap it a bit. Jesus again fed thousands of people with virtually a prayer. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees demanded a sign to prove who he is. And then they all go back across the lake and get all worked up about bread. But Jesus uses all these happenings to teach his disciples about false teaching. So to back it up a bit, the disciples were worried about forgetting bread because they were traveling and it was unlawful for Jews to accept food from pagans 
and they were headed to a pagan area. Jesus reminds them that having enough food is not the problem, but to be wary of the teaching, which he calls yeast, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they finally get what he's talking about, teaching. So the figurative meaning of bread is teaching. And just like we eat bread and it is integrated into our bodies and who we are physically, believing in Jesus and his teaching is the integration of him, his word, into who we are spiritually. Now the where part of the context. They go to Caesarea Philippi, a pagan city, and also the well and also well known by all the people of this time and for like thousands years before this. This is the literal gates of Hades. There are many caves in this region and many pagan cultures have used them for worship. It was believed that it was the place of the literal gates to the underworld or death. So why here? Why would he take him here? I'll just give you a quick analogy. If I wanted to teach you about poverty, per se, I wouldn't teach you at a fancy restaurant out on the coast. I would take you to like the slums of Tijuana and really show you what this is all about. So Jesus brings them to what is known to them as the gates of hell, asks about his perceived identity, which sets the stage for him to impart their identity to them. They are in a a region they think is the actual gates of hell. And then he teaches them that he is building up his gathered people on the foundation of his teachings to them, and that even this feared place will not be able to overtake his gathered people, or the powers behind this feared place could overtake his people. So let's jump into the text. Now that we got a little backstory going on. So Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say I am? There are many ideas. They kind of get who he is, but none of them, not even his disciples, really understand exactly who he is and what he came to do. You can get a real sense of that in the next section where Peter rebukes Jesus for telling them that he must suffer and die. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was coming to do. So they answer the question, who do people say the son of man is? And what they had heard. John the Baptist resurrected, Elijah come back, or even Jeremiah come back. Jeremiah was not received by the religious leaders of his time, and Jesus kind of wasn't either, so it's an easy correlation there. So the people obviously saw him as a prophet of God and a religious man doing God's work. Now he turns to his followers and asks who they say he is. What are their beliefs about his identity? And I want to ask you to ask yourself, who do you say Jesus is? Like really ask yourself at the core. Because there is a lot of answers to this one in, to this one question in people's heart. And even if we can recite the right answer, you are the Christ and the son of the living God, Is that what we truly believe and live out in our hearts? Satan wants nothing more than to blind you from this truth or steal it from your heart in the cares of this world. We thwart Satan's plans by focusing our beliefs on God, by learning to see Jesus for who he is, and in light of that, 
who we truly are in him. Satan does not want you to know Jesus' real identity, and he doesn't want you to know yours either. The act of confessing what we believe to each other builds that belief in ourselves. Like if I talk about it enough, I start to believe it. Talking about what God is doing in our lives strengthens our faith and weakens the plans of the enemy. That's why I want us to have a chance to talk about what God's doing in our lives. Here, Peter is confessing what he has experienced of Jesus and what he believes in his heart. In verse 17, it reads, And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Here is the real blessing we can find in our faith in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus and learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we can then be taught by God. Not the half-truths of the world, but the absolute truths that can be only found in Jesus. He begins to transform our hearts by the renewing of our mind. The way this works with God is that I bring who I am, all that I am, and all that he has given me. The good, the bad, the ugly. I give him access to all those pieces. And God being the most awesome God that he is, who doesn't waste even the worst parts of our lives that we don't always want to even face, he has the power to use all of it to mold us into the likeness of Jesus. I love how Romans 12 in the message translation puts it. This section is titled Living Sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 through 3. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in to it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This being taught by God is how we grow, level up, become more like Jesus. We listen to what he says about himself, about us, and about others, and we believe what he says. Have a tough co-worker? Ask God about it. What does he say? How does he see that person? How about your kids or your spouse? What does God say about them? Believe him. What about the wounds in your own heart? When you see them, do you bring them to him and ask him what he wants to do with it? Or do you stuff it away, not letting it come to the light? God's light always dispels the darkness, but you must be willing to bring your problems to the light. He is always inviting you to come, be with him, and talk about it. Do you believe that? I challenge you to give it a try, thus being taught by God.
it can work like this. Say I realize I have trust issues and it's really affecting my relationship with the people I love. This wound in me is hurting me and those around me. I can keep stuffing it and pretending it is not there. Try harder or just give up like this is who I am. Or I can bring it to God and let him be a part of the renewing of that place in me. We so often run from troubles or try really hard to fix them ourselves. But God wants us to come to him and be taught by him to see the world through his eyes. It is no different than the disciples having the problem of no food to feed the thousands of people earlier in the book of Matthew. Problems are the place where Jesus can really show up. Jesus did exactly what God would want him to do, bring the problem to him. Now just think about this story for a minute. This is truly amazing. Feeding thousands of people with a prayer. I'm pretty sure if I saw this with my very own eyes, I would be in absolute awe. Jesus used this to teach not only his disciples, but the crowd about his identity, who he was, who he belonged to, and what he is capable of and what we can be capable of when we partner with God. The more we trust in what God is saying to us and follow what he teaches us, the more we experience him. Satan and his plans to kill, steal, and destroy cannot overcome this kind of light. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying in verse 18 through 19. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus tells Peter his identity. He is the rock. The foundation of Jesus' church. And not just Peter, but all of his disciples, all of the disciples. Jesus teaches to and through them. And the foundations, and it is the foundations of our belief in Jesus. The stories of their lives, the things he taught them, and then the teaching of it all to others. This is the foundation for us, the church. The word Jesus used here means his gathered people. We, his gathered people, are literally built upon these teachings. Just like the story of our ancestors is part of who we are, the story of Jesus is part of who we are. And that story was played out with and through the disciples. And the story continues on and with us today. And the enemy of our souls cannot overtake us because of the finished work of, that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus plainly stated it in verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan would have us believe and it may see, seem sometimes that he is overtaking us, but that is a lie. He can only take hold and wreak havoc where he is allowed or where we let him. And how do we fight this enemy? Being part of the kingdom, God's ultimate plan for his people. 
Jesus taught about it the whole time he was on earth. The kingdom has always been the plan. The king came to give us access to the kingdom. And not only access, but keys. What are the keys to the kingdom? The authority to open and close, bind and loose. Having access to the goodness of God and loosening it. Bringing it here to all people. And have access to the power of God to chase away and bind up the darkness, which tries to overcome us. Being with Jesus in his kingdom in this close relationship where he leads and teaches us. This is living in the light. The darkness cannot overtake us. We cannot be snatched out of his hand. Can you see the significance of this passage? Jesus takes his disciples to a foreign place where they have fear of being polluted by the pagan people around them and fear of the presence of Satan or death himself. And he teaches them about who he is and who they are in light of it all. Sin, death, and Satan are all around them. And here he chooses to anoint them with the identity of being the foundation of his gathered people, the actual kingdom of God, which not even death can overcome. And on top of it all, he gives them the power and authority to loose and bind powers in heaven and on earth. Guess what? My five-year-old's favorite saying right now. <laughs> I love it. But really, guess what? You, my friends, are in this kingdom. Or if you're not yet, you sure can be. And in this kingdom, there is the most loving, gracious king. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He prays for you. He fights for you. And on top of it all, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. Man, that's where I want to be. That is where he wants you to be too. And it is the most beautiful and wonderful place. And you can have it in your heart right now. The way we see the world has a huge impact on the way we experience the world, good or bad. If we allow God to teach us, he will change the way that we see the world. He will give us eyes to see his truth. And with his eyes, we will be able to discern the lies of the devil. Because that tricky sucker has the world duped. Our only way to see his lies is to know God and to be taught by him. Jesus finishes up this section with a warning not to tell anyone of his true identity. Why is that? He has a plan and there is timing to his mission. I believe he brought them to this place to also have a little privacy from all the prying eyes and ears of the Pharisees. Because no good Pharisee would be caught dead in Caesarea Philippi. It is the perfect place to have such a private and revealing conversation about who he is and who they are. I think God sometimes takes us to lowly places to teach us his greatest treasures too. What do you think? Well, that wraps it up, my friends. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your words. Thank you that there is such richness and depth and so much that you want to teach us. We cannot understand all the things in our whole lifetime, what you want to teach us. 
And I just find that absolutely amazing. I just ask, Lord, that you would give us a hunger and thirst to know you more and to um, just experience all the goodness that you want to bring into our lives. I thank you, Lord, for these people, for our church, Lord, for New Legacy Linden. What an absolute blessing it has been for me, and I bet for everyone else, and I just thank you so much. Be with us this week, and keep us safe and healthy during this time. And I just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And join us this Thursday night on Zoom to discuss our takeaways from this teaching. And also, starting this week on our Zoom call, we will be, we will be discussing what God is doing or teaching us in our lives right now. So be prepared to share. See you then.